my daughters had a great idea to help celebrate my son buying his first house in Louisville, Kentucky. They decided to throw a surprise housewarming party for him. So the excuse we used for everybody to be in town was that my daughter Janae's birthday was the following week, so we said we had to celebrate it early, so we were all in town. But the trouble was going to be how to get him out of the house so they could get in, clean, decorate, get the food all ready for the party. So we came up with the idea that we'd have a guy's day out because we would assume the women were going to have a spa day, quote. So... Devin and myself and my son-in-law, Matt, and my grandson, Cole, we went to the Louisville Science Center and had a lot of fun watching him move around and see all the things there for kids. And when we finished, we came back and we pulled off the surprise. Devin walked into a house of about 20 family and friends, and we, he just didn't have a, a clue what was happening. He took it all in well. We had a great celebration at a taco bar. Housewarming presents were opened, and everything was great, except that we did not anticipate that that sudden surprise and the forced socialization would kick in Devin's PTSD, which he's experienced every, for several years since he came back from Afghanistan. Fortunately, Devin kind of held it together. He didn't show any of that during the surprise or during the party, but afterwards he explained to us that that surprise was a lot more fun for us than it was for him. <laughs> so we've taken note of that. We'll make sure we're careful about that in the future. I share this because our passage today, our scripture, lets us know, especially when you read it and read other resurrection accounts, that the sudden surprise of the resurrection didn't bring instant joy and happiness to those first followers. Matter of fact, our passage today, if you heard, said that they were they were filled with terror and dread, and they fled the tomb. And you'll find that in other places as well. And I know it's kind of hard to relate to this passage today because we don't exactly flee from Easter festivities anymore today, right? We come to church, you'll have Easter egg hunts, you'll load up on candy, and you're going to spend a lot of time with the people that you care about. Not exactly something you're going to be fleeing from. So I encourage you, to go back and read some of these resurrection accounts, use that faith first, and take in the total shock that it was for these disciples and earlier followers of Jesus. They had absolutely no clue that this was going to happen. And you think about it, if you read the Hebrew scriptures, you discover that his coming back from the dead isn't really predicted. There's some passages that, that do suggest Jesus, but when you read them carefully, you see that the picture of the Messiah that they had in that day was one that would be a political king or perhaps a charismatic servant leader that would help the Israelites with their oppression from Roman rule. And at first, Jesus seemed to be fitting the bill. People were excited. Last Sunday, we had the processional of the palms because they thought he was that new king. And then they were sorely disappointed when he was arrested and tried, and crucified. They had no clue, because there was nothing in those scriptures to suggest that he'd be coming back from the dead. It certainly wasn't in their realm of experience. It's not anything anyone assumed. Not Judas when he betrayed Jesus, not the disciples when they ran away, not Pilate when he 
decreed that he would experience the punishment reserved for Rome's worst criminals or the chief priests that went along, even that Roman centurion who stood at the foot of the cross and watched Jesus die with such dignity and love and compassion, even saying the words, he must be the son of God. And yet, even he did not anticipate Jesus coming back from the dead. It simply was not in their realm of experience, even though Jesus had warned them. You find some passages in the Gospels where he suggested that he would die, but it was all beyond their paradigm. And for me, that is another one of the proofs that I have that helped me to believe in the validity of this miracle of miracles. Because there was no preconceptions. There was no prediction of this event, this miracle of miracles. Well, the good news for us today is that this surprise has the power to help break our cynicism that we have in our world today. It provides a fresh, fresh word for our existence, an existence that's come to accept the world that it is the way it's going to be. An assumption that we take for granted. We, we even have a phrase for that, do we not? What's that phrase we use? What do you expect? I bet you that, that there's a, a, a translation for that phrase in every language of the world. Because that's got to be the common human experience. What do you expect? It usually comes with a sad nod of the head, a shrug of the shoulders. It comes to us when we have another person in authority who disappoints us and we say, what do you expect? It comes to us when we have someone that we care about who's experienced cancer and we hope and we pray and then they succumb to cancer. And we may not say it out loud, but we think it. What do you expect? Whenever we dare to hope that life could be different, it so often disappoints us that the way things have always been, we think are the way things always will be. And we wonder, will the weak always be controlled by the strong? Do miracles really happen? Picture yourself as Mary Magdalene or Mary, the mother of James and Salome, as they were going to that tomb. What do you think they were thinking? The Jesus that they thought was the one that brought so much hope and compassion and it helped so many people. He could change the world and then suddenly he is taken from them and they have to be thinking on their way to the tomb, what do you expect? Well, our lesson for today, this Easter, which happens to fall ironically on April Fool's Day, is that it allows us to have hope, to believe in the unexpected. As a matter of fact, I would suggest that you look for the unexpected because when you do, that is when you're most likely to see God's hand at work in our world because God likes to surprise us. Didn't Jesus also say the first to be last and the last first? The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians, but God chose what the world considers foolish to shame the wise. God chose what the world considers weak to shame the strong. There's wisdom in this message. How many good things come at unexpected times? 
How many times does God go around our well-laid plans and comes up with something far better than we can ever imagine? It's been true certainly in my life. I think about when I was a junior in high school, I had my career path all laid out. I was going to be a teacher and I was going to coach basketball. Well, God, God had different plans, and I quickly got steered into ministry. But God, in his goodness, allowed me to, to coach 13 years of basketball in schools and a couple of communities that I served. And a lot of people would tell me that I'm far more of a teacher than I am a preacher anyway, right, every Sunday morning? I think about when I made my college choice, maybe without as much forethought as I should. And I was in my dorm, and, and just across the hall was a another young man who was a senior who was also going to ministry. And one day he's asking me, Jerry, so tell me, what are you doing now to prepare for ministry? And those words came to me as if they came directly from God and got me thinking. And it led me to end up transferring to a smaller college where I came under the mentorship of Dr. Adolf Hansen, whose leadership totally changed my perspective on Scripture and helped me see it in a faithful way, but also to understand it in context so that it can withstand integrity and the skepticism that we often have to face in our world. And I'm probably like a lot of you that might have had one children, one child that uh, comes along not in the long-range plan. Has that ever happened to anybody else? Except the odd thing for us, it was number three out of four. But gosh, Sasha, she's been such a blessing. She's been that child we've never, ever had to worry about, never had to tell her once to do her homework, never had to tell her once that she should go practice. She always did things on her own. What a blessing she's been. And I even remember when I was going through my divorce, and I'm thinking, and I even said to a few people, I am going to take my time. I'm going to enjoy being single for a while, something I probably should have done before I got married the first time. And then I discovered God had other plans as he brought Nancy in unexpected ways into my life and fell in love with her before we even went on our first date. God often does far better with his surprises than we ever do on our own. My guess is you can think of a few of those unexpected blessings that God's brought into your life. So that is our good news for today, to believe that the way things are are not always the way they have to be. Whether it's in our own lives, our relationships, the world in which we live, the way it has always been is not necessarily the way it will be in the future. Resurrection gives us hope that the way things have been will not always be. Jesus is alive, and that means we can expect anything now. Christ is risen, and Christ is risen indeed.